Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. So, I mean, we can we can start and get our explicit rating, uh, you know, right off the bat here. Um, yes. Because I, I don't even really know what fucking day it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm still living in reality or if I've been, like, gaslit on a massive scale um, with the, the fact that I think the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um and I'm not still quite sure how to how to handle that. Um, so I think I'm still <laughs> processing it the same way that drunk Kevin Hart is processing it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Have you did you see the video of him on the the post game celebrations? He tried to tried to jump over the thing, and they were like, "No, dog." Well, he, he yeah. That, so that was the first one where when they were taking the, the Lombardi Trophy up to the stage, he tried to hop up with them. But then later on the uh, NFL Network uh, post game. Um, they were interviewing Fletcher Cox, the Eagles defensive tackle. Um, and he came, Kevin Hart came up to the, the postgame, uh, stage, um, and, uh, and jumped up there and like Deion Sanders helped him up and everything. And so that was before they realized how much he had to drink. Um, and so he was, he was pretty, uh, wasted. Um, <laughs> and so this was very, uh, uh, like he he was Kevin Hart started talking and like he he was basically uh, in a drunk uh, date uh, mode and like slurring his words and everything and so they were letting him talk he was he was saying stuff that was meaningful and heartfelt but you could tell it, like it wasn't gonna last long um, and then on live TV he just goes and drops the f bomb um, and it comes through loud and clear <laughs> I'll I'm sure I can grab a link to it uh, but it comes through loud and clear and we were at my my cousin's family's house out in the suburbs watching it um and my younger cousin like he called it like 30 seconds before it happened he's like this is not going to be good like he's he's going to drop an f bomb before this is over um and they just did not um the, the, I don't know if they weren't sitting on <laughs> the bleep button fast enough um but uh, but yeah, they they caught it there, and then like as soon as like he it was it was like a kid saying something that they know they shouldn't be saying because like as soon as he says it, he like his eyes get real big, and then he just puts the bike down on the table and like turns around, and then they like and he just like waits a second, and then they like walk him off the stage. Um, so I mean that was kind of pretty much how I felt like l- the latter portion of last night, um, and then all of today, like I still didn't understand what was going on. Um, so we kind of wrapped up at my cousin's house, and then I basically did like eighty, eighty-five all the way home, um, and then uh, like ordered a pizza while I was on the way home from the the restaurant next door. Picked that up, got upstairs, and just like rewatched all the stuff that just happened um, to like kind of reprove to myself what was going on. So the I, I'm just still in disbelief that it happened. We had a blast. Um, it's been you know. Uh, 52 years in the making from the the beginning of the Super Bowl era so um I had a blast and I I spent way too much uh so far on um gear that I haven't even seen yet so we'll see how that comes <laughs> when it actually ships um but this was uh, as I said on uh uh a comment on on a friend's Instagram post like it was a once in a lifetime, but I, I was uh, very happy that it was once in our lifetime, um, and I was able to share that uh, moment with my dad uh, at least via FaceTime. Yeah. Um, so it was it was something that was big and awesome for our family. So um, that's a, like I mean, if I'm 
if I disappear or like I don't respond, that's where I'm still just kind of questioning reality or like poking, sticking my yes. finger in the electrical socket to see if it's actually going to shock me because that's I still don't believe it. Yes. Yes. Well, I can assure you, Rick, you are in reality. The Dow crashed like fall hundred points today. So you're perfectly <laughs> <laughs> you're perfectly in reality. We're still ever close to nuclear war and ever lovely atomic fallout from that. Um Yes, so you are <laughs> you are still <laughs> uh you are still in reality. Um I would like to mention so I did watch the game. Our buddy our mutual friend Jason had a Super Bowl party. Oh nice. Um it was kinda small, so we just went over. Nobody there was like really vested in anything, um, except for a universal disinterest in the overall game. <laughs> our sec- all secret love for Olympics and our unanimous hatred of Tom Brady. Yeah. Um but uh, it's actually really funny because um, you're talking about that. My mom actually just sent me a text and I actually read it because we were talking about this earlier. She goes, how sad is the commentators on Raw are doing a better job on commentary than the network did, the so-called pros did last night at the Super Bowl? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, because we talked about that. And I um, – like I'm excited that Eagles are um the Eagles won because I know how important that can be for a city, especially for morale. Um and you know, that's awesome uh that that was there. Um the one of the biggest things that absolutely drove me nuts last night was besides the overabundance of what I felt was basically just America propaganda. Um you know, uh with all the consumerist nature of everything and the self, there were so many things. There were so many distasteful Super Bowl ads <laughs> this year. Yeah, that... I mean, they were basically. <clears throat> this was kind of the first year where I've never actually paid attention to the commercials, um, and so that was one where I kind of got a, a pass. Of it. Like I saw some of them, and then like I, I only caught. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil kind of ones you may jump into, but I only caught some of them that kind of had a lot of blowback, um, just because yeah, yeah. I was basically up and pacing for three hours and my stomach was in a pretzel in my throat and falling <laughs> out of my asshole at the same exact time. Um, so, uh, I, it was kind of a good and bad where like, I, I heard like, uh, I don't even really remember watching the halftime show but i heard like some people liked it some people didn't which is every year and then like everybody was like eh commercials um the only one i do remember is uh peter dinklage rapping to uh busta rhymes in the doritos <laughs> commercial which was amazing and that's like the only one i remember but then the rest of them like i i I've see, caught some of them today but this was actually like the first time where like i'm going to like, go back and like some of the money I've already spent is I ordered a USB external hard drive for storage space and a capture card so I can rip the stuff prosperity off of, <laughs> rip, rip the stuff off of my DVR and watch it and have it on my computer so that I, it doesn't disappear. I don't have to wait for anything else or there's nothing else that's going to be, um, you know, edited that I, I that wasn't on TV last night. So um, that's how like focused on the actual game I am. When usually I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, or like I'll, I'll rewatch all the commercials on YouTube. At this point, like I'll, I'll get to those commercials in like June sometime. <laughs> um. So the first thing that I'll I'll, I'll touch on the commentary, uh, and then we'll go into the uh, commercials. The commentary was an absolute um, dis- it was absolutely disgraceful. Um. Um, borderline, uh, people talk about, 
uh, it was glaringly obvious the real reason that NFL viewership has been on the decline for the last several years. Um, and it's not because of these protests that people are basically blaming. Mm-hmm. It's because they are putting out an awful product. And what I mean by that is it's this is not a this is not a slight against the players or the way the game is fundamentally played. I am not a huge football fan. Um, I understand the rules, all that good stuff. Football is just not for me. Um, but the commentators have the main voice of a game for the audience at home, whether or not they're watching it on television, is the broadcast commentators. Mm-hmm. The role that they pull, they perform is so integral to the overall game that it is necessary for them to do a fantastic job. The And what I noticed was the lack of them being able to construct a story out of the fucking Super Bowl, right? You have Tom Brady, who won his first Super Bowl as a fucking backup quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Facing against who's who proceeded to fucking go and dominate the league and win four more Super Bowls after that first one that he won as a backup quarterback. Going up against Nick Foles, a younger player, who is a backup quarterback playing in his super, his very first Super Bowl, taking down an established giant quarterback. The parallels between the two stories are absolutely insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous that and they're instead, so tightly intertwined. And which, as a commentator, would be a fucking godsend because it just, you know, we're we're earning that explicit rating today um, because it it writes itself. And you basically not only get that, but you have the old versus new. You have this old gunslinger of the West and Tom Brady of basically two decades of football, you know, spanning over two decades going against this new young blood. And he's desperately trying to show that he still got it. Mm-hmm. Right. And with the play calls, the the Brady did not look good last night. And the fact instead, what we're getting is, you know, the equivalent of them telling me that Nick Foles wet the bed one time when he was in fifth grade at a sleepover. (laughs) You know, if like that's what like if you cannot tell me the story, if you cannot make me invested in your game, there's no way in hell people are going to watch your product. Yeah, exactly. And it is just such it was just such a disgrace um, the fact that, you know, it, they meant they mo- they have moved the drama from basically being about the overall story they can tell in a game to calls in the specific game. Like um, there was that play where uh, I think it was Ertz, uh, Ertz, one of Ertz's touchdown plays yeah, when where he, he catches the ball, takes four ran. steps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, that's an incomplete pass. I'm like, A, it's not. He had the ball in established control, broke the plane, and then fell. <laughs> Which is how you score touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, th- they made drama up about that in several other calls where there shouldn't have been any drama. And that's the thing. is like, that doesn't add anything to it. That just makes your game seem bloated. And it it does a disservice to the audience because the the audience doesn't care 
about the call. They care about the outcome of the call and the overall story. Because each one of those calls, each single play is basically a beat in movement and action. And the fact that you have commentators that are apparently just basically that don't understand that, that they're supposed to be basically professional sports storytellers mm-hmm. is mind boggling. And what makes it even worse is that one of those commentators was Al fucking Michaels. Michaels. You know, and it just I just I have never I, I was absolutely flummoxed by that. And I can totally see why, you know people are starting to lose interest in football. It's because they don't tell, they do not tell stories anymore. Now, and you know, you, every game has, if this is a professional sport, these are professionals, everything that they should be doing. You could add that big game feel to any game. That's how you build fans because, and that's how fan, uh, the fandom gets passed from generation to generation. Absolutely. It's because there's a moment where that story is told that you're witnessing something that you feel is historic. And that moment is the moment that you share with your friends and your family and your children and your friends. And that's how people become lifelong fans of a sport, of a team. And when you don't do that, no one cares. And that's the thing. I am someone. Look, I am. I am. I. I have not studied broadcasting. I know very little about that. But I know you can tell a fucking story because I have heard it before, and I've seen it in other sports clips. I see it in the the last vestige we have of that is the NCAA tournament. Oh, absolutely. From March Madness, a hundred percent. And that's where they. I mean, that's what every game there is a, you know, a the traditional term epic in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where that's where football is is failing. The fact that, you know, I am, you know, I'm not a sports guy. The fact that this like that was the first Super Bowl the Eagles won. That was never mentioned on commentary. There were no stakes. How could how could a championship a championship game have zero stakes? Like that's nuts. There was no urgency. Instead of basically going, instead of basically going, these are two teams that have two terrific defenses, which the score did not indicate. Oh yeah, in no way, <laughs> shape, or form. Um, you know, instead of just going like, sell up everything. These are professionals. Make everything seem important. And there's none of that. There was absolutely none of that. And I just, you know, we're sitting there, and it's like, none of us were sitting there. We're like, oh, the Olympics seems cool. Just because there's going to be more stories told within the Olympics than what we got with the football, the football game. You can buy that in with the over uh, and I say propaganda because that's what it felt like to me. But you can you add that the the lack of urgency of basically these people just like not really giving a care here. It it became less about the game and less about the sport and more of as, as a vehicle for people to advertise is what it felt like. Um, well, I mean, that's that's kind of a way that it's been for, you know, a number of years. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. based on the current like sociopolitical climate, like I, I imagine that's where a lot of the commercials kind of went one way or another with that. Um, mm-hmm. But 
I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I barely heard any of it. The, I mean, the sound was on, but I mean, there was barely any um, like cognition on my part of audio yeah. from the TV. It was all in the room and, and inside my head. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, I, I agree. That's what, for the most part, I tend not to listen to the, to any of the TV broadcasters. Um, if the mm-hmm. TV is on at my house during the season, it's usually on mute or low. Um, if I, am not home i'm usually listening to it on the sirius xm app on my phone um which get which allows me based on the package i have to uh listen to the local broadcast in philadelphia um so i'm listening to the local radio broadcast um the only downside is that's usually about two to three minutes behind the the live game um which was both good and bad for last night. So I was watching the game live, and then I was listening to probably about the last half of the fourth quarter um, on the on my phone, um, about two to three minutes behind. But then I was able to pay attention when I knew certain plays were coming. So I was able to re-listen to um, the strip sack on Brady. I was able to re-listen to the field goal being made. I was able to re-listen to the Hail Mary. Um, and so all of those were the 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 broadcast team of the kind of the local broadcast team of the Eagles, they do just that. They know how to tell a story. They, I mean, they have, and I mean, granted it's, um, they spend a lot more time with the players, but at the same time, like you had two weeks to prepare that you had two weeks to build that up. That's the whole point of, of the, like the, the, the week off break for the Super Bowl is like putting that on the, you know, the world's ultimate stage. Um, and so for me, that was, that was the only thing I was really paying attention to, like on the audible spectrum was, was the local coverage mm-hmm. because again, yeah. yeah, I mean, aside from, everybody's complaints and sometimes it's you know pissing and moaning and sometimes it's true like everybody says chris collinsworth can't get off of brady enough blah 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 um but Mm -hmm. in the end it's just usually they're wrong like on certain play calling or how they rule things and or just uninteresting um which uh, i mean it's it's unfortunate um for al michaels to do that from a play by or play by play point of view um saying that five times fast um (laughs) but from you know the color commentary point of view like i used to like chris collinsworth a lot but it just seems to be where it's going downhill or coasting and they they have no desire to make it an interesting conversation or to tell a story using the medium that they have on the field in front of them as opposed to um just cursory or very shallow stuff um Whereas a lot of people, and you know, obviously I'm an Eagles fan, um, but obviously a lot of people gave Tony Romo a lot of shit from going from the the field to the booth. But I actually enjoyed listening to him. I'm not a huge fan of Jim Nance. I can't stand Phil Simms in the booth. Um, but there's a lot of stuff where Tony Romo gives you an inside aspect from a former player. And Collinsworth is a former player, but so far removed. But Romo gives you a, a different aspect in where it's not going to be a feel-good story, but it's going to give you insight into the game that you wouldn't have otherwise. Whereas Chris Collinsworth just really doesn't do that much. Um, so I, I totally get on board as far as that being you know completely uninteresting. So uh, when I do rewatch it later this week, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when I'm actually listening to the, to that coverage and, and seeing what's there, um, how inane and everything it's, it's going to be. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, you combine that lack of, you know, um, you can combine that lack of energy with the commercials that basically either on one or, you know, like fucking, um, or that were just dis the commercials that were just really distasteful, 
um, like using Martin Luther King quotes to sell fucking Dodge Ram trucks. Yeah, that's the one I've seen the biggest blowback on is, is that one is just yeah. a, a big, gigantic kick in the nuts. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I felt literally watching that, like watching that overall presentation of everything, I really felt like I was in idiocracy. Um, and I, I, like, I mean, there was a commercial during the Super Bowl where you have a, a, an up-and-coming celebrity advertise Groupon and then somebody gets kicked in the nuts with a football. <laughs> so that was worth X million dollars? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Um, Budweiser basically going on about, um, oh, we can't some water. Like you spent, there's like a quote that's going around. Super Bowl ads are expensive. You maybe bottled maybe two hundred thousand dollars worth of water, but you spent five million dollars to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, like that's gross too. Or the weird, quizzically weird Matt Damon Stella Artois partnership for clean water, where they go buy this chalice so poor people can have water, and then you look. And the majority of the money just goes to to the fucking beer company. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the the Budweiser one because apparently there was, I and again, there was so much cross-chatter and I was inside my own head, so I didn't really hear it or see the commercial. Um, but with the extension of the family that I was there, like there was somebody there that they knew somebody from that was a higher up in Budweiser or something like that. Um, so that was somebody there that actually did have a... Uh, a either creative or impact or like gave the go ahead for that commercial. So there was, there was reasoning behind that for them. Um, but it was one that was still uninteresting to me. And I, I never saw the, the Matt Damon one. Um, uh, but I, I, I mean, granted with the socio political climate, I expected there to be a lot. Um, but it seemed like there was just like a huge swing and a miss as opposed to like different ones in, in past years. Yeah. I, you know, and, and you can find like, I just, there was just so much where like it all just felt they didn't nobody felt like they were trying anymore and everything felt very doesn't make any sense but it all felt not it all felt you know inorganic mm-hmm. and you combine that with the lethargic commentary um and the piss poor presentation of all that like the only thing i remember from do you know how upset i am the only thing i remember about the halftime show is it was sponsored by Pepsi Cola. Mm-hmm. And you know how f- I'm pissed. Like, you know, like, because there was nothing that was really happening. It all just felt. Ugh. You know, um, it just, I don't know. It all just felt like I felt like I was being told what to think instead of being able to determine on my own it was like if you're an american you know you should be enjoying this regardless of the output if you're an american you should be excited about the prospect to spend money on these items we're telling you about and that was the whole that was like the whole that's the whole feeling that i was left with and i wasn't very happy about that the game itself the game it's the game itself was fine you know, it was just the overall combination of the commentators, these commercials, the 
the half ass soup, the half ass halftime show, that it all just felt very manufactured. So, and, um, going from something manufactured to something else that's manufactured, the the only other thing that that was kind of rubbing me the wrong way and wanting to talk about that was the the forced narrative of um, uh, rioting and pillaging and and all of that bullshit. Um, where yes, uh, I mean people are going to go out, they're going to do dumb stuff, um, but at the same time. This happens everywhere. This this isn't something specific to Philadelphia. Philadelphia fans always get a bad rap for who they are, for fighting and all of that stuff. And I mean, there's, I I would I haven't done hard math on it, but there have been more severe um, interactions between other fandoms than anything else where Philadelphia has been involved. Um, more severe post-game rioting, win or losing, um, it just in, you know, regular season uh, games between the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, mm-hmm. Sadly, there was somebody who I believe uh, was killed because of a post-game fight and stuff like that. Um, and so it, it just becomes a narrative that people want to push because it's a, it's bombastic. It's essentially, you know, yellow journalism um, of mm-hmm. just being able to, to you know, stir, up, stir it up and be a muckraker um, for that. Where, yeah, I, obviously the, the video of them, of some fans flipping over the car, it's not like it was directed by the team to go out and do it and then, like, it was sponsored and, and everybody was celebrating it. Obviously people are going to do dumb shit. They should be punished for it. They have footage of people doing stuff on camera. So go after those people. People are going to celebrate go crazy, especially in something like this when they've they haven't had this type of celebration in to celebrate a football championship in 58 years. Um so that's something that they're going to kind of go crazy for but in the end you know looking at all the news reports and everything there really wasn't much that happened um yeah i mean there there were a handful of things that obviously shouldn't have happened um there i think i saw one uh uh wawa which is a, a local uh kind of epic convenience store chain um that that uh, people kind of went crazy inside of which is unfortunate um but that stuff's going to happen um i mean no yeah. matter win or lose like in when you raise stakes like that it's going to happen um but at the same time, going back to the other sports narrative uh, kind of kingmaker with the March Madness, um, mm-hmm. there are there are just as many riots in every college town that that happens whenever you have a big upset or you know a big win or something. But it, good, yeah, and. Yeah, I would say like what that basically comes down to is basically it's the amount that you'll see one of those celebrations reported is basically fans celebrating or is fans um, rioting basically comes down to the amount of people of color involved in the fandom. It's basically yeah, what it comes that, down that's to. That's an excellent point. I mean, because you see that and I mean, that kind of leads right into my other point is a lot of college football uh, fandoms and a lot of the post-game celebrations legitimately West Virginia University fans and again this is me blanket washing the entire fandom over anecdotal kind of evidence the same way everyone else is doing it to Philadelphia right now so it's good for the goose good for the gander type thing but just like everybody in the West Virginia University fandom is is going to say that that's not the entirety of their fandom I'm saying this is in the entirety of the Eagles fandom as well like they legitimately lit couches on fire 
The couches <laughs> were on their front porch. The porch was wood. The house was made of wood. Yet they lit the couch on fire on the front porch after it, their team was upset. So it's like, how does how does that compute? Um, so in the end, although it was... Actually, I can't be 100% sure it was their own couch, so I, I'm not really sure about that. Um, but it was it, nobody seemed to be massively upset about that it was on fire. There was nobody on the couch as it was burning. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there, there's plenty of stories like that across the board. Um, yeah. I was. I saw. I had no ability to verify it, but um, I'm not going to call it out specifically because I didn't verify it. But like, I heard of some incidents in Boston or in the Massachusetts area of stuff going down and, and people getting arrested. Um, and so again, it's it's not the entirety of that, um, and it's not the entirety of the fandoms to do that. Uh, on a whole, I have no problem with the Patriots. Um, I tend to think that Patriots fans tend to be a little obnoxious. I tend to think that a lot of the whole cheater aspect of um, everyone discounting the Patriots and calling them cheaters and a lot of that bullshit and and everything is a little overdone because, again, it's a narrative um, and it's kind of whining. I've played sports my entire life. It's either if you can't beat them stop whining until you do like and again going back to one of the our our main topics uh, in wrestling uh as nature boy says to be the man you got to beat the man um yep. well last night the eagles beat the man so i'm pretty happy with how things turned out um and you know they were able to knock them off off the the pedestal but i'm not going to say that you know that invalidates everything else that the patriots did and no. call out cheating no. and stuff like that obviously a lot of success breeds contempt and, and everything there so i i understand that um but uh, i mean at the same time uh the fandom is is a little bit of obnoxious I can understand the disdain people have for Philadelphia. I didn't have a problem with Steelers fans until I went to school in central Pennsylvania. And then they, if I hear, here we go Steelers, I'm, I have an aneurysm. Um, and, and so, I mean, there's, there's fandoms that obviously people hate and get riled up out and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's a narrative that you're pushing when you're like, people are, are kind of jumping onto the bandwagon of disdain. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, before you start spewing stuff, look in the mirror and, you know, glass, <laughs> glass houses, don't throw stones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so that that's the, the main part of that. And so, like, based on that, like, I, I when we were syncing up that we could record tonight, I, I said I had to go to the grocery store. So, um, before that, I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I wanted to listen to Bill Simmons' podcast if uh, if he had put out the episode this week. Um, and luckily, he put it out at noon, and I'll link it to here like he needs us to promote him. Um, but I'll, I'll link to it on the <laughs> uh, uh, on the page. And so I, I just wanted to hear uh, a one of the largest homers uh, in sports that I that I know for like New England in general, um, and just hear hear what he had to say. And it was the most level-headed podcast i've ever heard it was the the most level-headed sports take i ever heard i i would practically say on a whole there was nothing i disagreed with that either him or cousin sal said on the podcast with simmons being an absolute new england homer cousin sal being a dallas cowboys fan which obviously there's a lot of contempt for both of them to the eagles right there so the fact that they're able to say like everything there and and have it be a you know complete appreciation fest mm-hmm. um, was uh, kind of validating for me after all of the the blowback and obviously 
again, success breeds contempt, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, I mean, I'm happy how things turned out. But, uh, again, I'm not putting any stock in the rioting, burning shit down, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to call people's bullshit on it. Our buddy Jay did that today to a bunch of people. Obviously, there's some people in the city where stuff was happening maybe near them that could have affected them. On a whole, like everything that was reporting live and stuff like that, and everybody was listening to police scanners and all that bullshit, out of all of the kind of zeitgeist that got built up for that to happen, there was a minimal amount of actual events that actually occurred that were damaged in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Um, and yeah. again, in the long run, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that stuff, any picture, a lot of pictures that we saw were fabricated too. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's just what it is in the, in the yeah. long run. The... Yeah, I, I will admit, like, I'm not a fan of Tom Brady, but he's incredibly fucking talented. He works incredibly hard. And... You know, and, and you know it. Yeah, like last last night's game, he just looked old. Like, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, you know, he's dealt with quite a few injuries himself, and you know, it's it's kind of you know, but you know, it. Yeah, like you know, he's perfectly talented. Um. You know, it it watching him, it reminded me watching um watching that last season, those last couple seasons that Favre had, where he was kind of bouncing around. Oh yeah. And he didn't you saw glimpses, yeah, like you would see glimpses of stuff and you know, you were reminded you were like, Wow, this this guy can still go. And then you see other moments where he misses a pass that I could catch. um you know and there was a lot of that and he looked defeated and you know there was a there was a lot of that well and that's what i mean it just wasn't enough where he was able to just put it everything on his back and do it where mm -hmm. i mean that's what he was able to do before um i mean like similar where um like everybody was there i mean a lot of the hot takes and more thought overtakes. Um, I mean, saying that like in all those situations, based on how the season went, um, it, the Eagles coach out coached the, the Patriots coach. Um, and then, you know, the Eagles were just the better team last night. So there's only mm-hmm. so much you can do when you have the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. He's going to put up 500 yards, but that doesn't mean he's going to win the game when he's, when that's the only thing he's doing. Yes. And that reminds me of another thing too that football is very heavily a team sport. And I feel that's one of the reasons uh, the Ameri- it's become so wrapped uh, and ingrained in the American zeitgeist is because it, we often f- find ourselves in situations that are where we have to work together as a unit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for that's one of the reasons Tom Brady is those people that are very skilled are either you love them or you hate them. It's because people either see themselves within that person as a skilled person or they're envious of that skilled person because of their skill. And, you know, and it shows that everybody has to perform well. Everybody has to work together for you to be successful. You not Well, uh, one fantastic football player isn't going to make a team win the Super Bowl. Well, exactly, and that's I think the, you the know. biggest thing is it's the 
in the American sports culture, it's the the sport that has the largest number of teammates on the field at one time. So it ta- it's the ultimate team mm-hmm. sport where it takes more people to work together at the highest level for a longer period of time than it does hockey, than it does baseball, than it does basketball. Yep. Because, you know, in basketball you have – five guys usually you go three deep on the bench a lot the way teams are getting structured now with kind of super stacked teams they almost have like two lines of stuff but there's still you know that hockey you have five guys on the ice at a given time six including the goalie um but even now like you end up in hockey overtime they're three on three so that's even less teamwork um but Mm -hmm. you still have like 20 guys on the bench um baseball you've got nine guys on the field at one time but then you have 350 million pitchers that can come in at any time um and then 1700 pinch hitters and runners and blah 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 but you still generally that's still very much an individual effort when you have a single pitcher facing a single batter for the 80% 80% of the game time. Um, so the fact that it is it is a team sport and it is, you know, the ultimate team sport when you need a cohesive offensive line, when, like, it's very hard for an individual to take over the game, but it's very, it's very easy for an individual to impact the game. So for a fact that like the, the better team can very easily defeat a better player. Um, and I think that's obviously what happened last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It's, you know, it, as I said, like, as I said, like the game, the game itself is fine. For me, football's a little too violent. My coworkers, you know, kind of, kind of always chuckle when I say that, but, you know, um, I also didn't grow up. That's the other thing is I didn't grow up with football. Yeah. Um, you know, I really didn't, you know, um, I grew up a little bit with college basketball cause that's what we had in Syracuse and it made it real easy. There's only one team you can root for. And uh, <laughs> you basically get indoctrinated, and um, you know it—it's fine. Like I think a lot of people don't seem to understand that dynamic of football, um, where one person cannot shape the entire course of a game, um, and uh, you know, and I think that's where a lot of that hate. For Brady, I mean, he's a fantastic quarterback. He like, you know, he plays plays what plays smart. Um, uh, he plays. Oh my God, who is Kirk Cousins? He is sub- the substantially better version of Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. um, because their play styles are similar. Um, you know, that's you know, quick. You know, route passes uh, keeps it short. Loves that to. Do that, and then adds a long ball every once in a while to stretch defenses. Um, you combine that with a decent running game, and then you know you've got the combinations to start cooking with gas. Um, but yeah, like it, Brady's a fine quarterback. I don't actually, I don't hate Brady. You know, if he was on fire, I would obviously try to save him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like how you know, nice this. Yeah, yeah, obviously, like, um, you know, so, and I, like, even, you know, I mean, and this is crazy, is because I grew up in Syracuse, so, like, I should really fucking hate Brady, mm-hmm. because the closest sports team, the closest pros team we have, uh, is, football team is the Bills. So, 
yeah, like I should fucking despise Brady. <laughs> well, that's what when you were saying, like you you didn't grow up with it. You it's not ingrained in you. Like I mean, that's where I really only have two vices in life. Like, um, I mean, one is magic, and the other is NFL football. Um, and so, like, I really I d- don't drink. I don't do much else in excess. But I mean, as I'm sitting here recording, and I have uh, three commander decks and pieces with a bag of uh, legacy decks next to me, um, and then we're we've been talking ad nauseum for 40 minutes about the <laughs> the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, those are my my two indulgences. Um, so for me, it's like uh, I was thinking like I'll end up on any given Sunday. Like I don't care what it is. Like I'll I'll just watch a random Buffalo Bills game. And so the Bills team was the one that was. <laughs> like the first one that popped in my head i won't be happy that it's the bills but i'll be fucking watching it without any problem um and and so so that's that's uh kind of my like those are my things and so um i i know amanda's going to be happy that that the the football season's over just regardless uh regardless of the fact that the eagles won it or whatever um but I mean, that's, that's what I do. Like, that's what Sunday is for me between, you know, September and, and January. And a lot of people have that ingrained and, um, a lot of people are like that, but then, um, yeah, to see people that have had this ingrained in their entire life and they've seen, you know, somebody over the course of 20 years come and just totally shuck the system, put 10 other guys on his back and completely defy, you know, rule of law for what is in you know, the majority of, of the, the history of the game obviously, you know, gets a lot of disdain and, and he, he, he has an air of, uh, um, confidence and an, and an air of, uh, like self-righteousness too. Um, and like last night, uh, he didn't stick around on the field to congrat like to congratulate Nick Foles and stuff. And I mean, I've played sports my entire life and that was always the thing that you did after the end of any game was shake hands, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, they do that at the end of a seven game series in the NHL after these guys have literally beat the piss out of each other for seven, seven nights in a row. Um, yeah. and so, I mean, that's like, you know, poor sportsmanship and stuff like that. So I, I see a a lot of that there um but then the it just ends up being something where uh a lot of it's understandable but then a lot of it's kind of new, <laughs> new at the same time so yeah you know it's so it's crazy yes so i mean as much as we we've, we've beat not necessarily the horse but that goat and the 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 dead horse there um uh Something has come up in the – I mean, we've missed a lot based off of the craziness of, of my life the past couple of weeks and not being able to record or, or catch up. Um, but, uh, I mean, we, we missed Royal Rumble, um, so that was interesting. I didn't didn't know if you were able to watch any of that live. Um, there were a couple interesting things there that I, I thought about. Um, and then something else that I haven't quite followed up on um, that I'll get to in a second, but we've got some of your blogs that are going up on the site now. Um, so we'll definitely obviously link to those, but we've got those um, going up. So I, th- I forget the one that went up most recently, so let me actually look which one that is. Um, so we've got, yeah, you've got Donald reviews movies poorly with uh, Sully. Um, and I love, I loved editing these because as I'm editing things, like I'm laughing hysterically while I'm editing them. Um, so then I have to like pause, stop laughing and then come back to it. Um, so we, we've got Sully up on the site now. Then I believe we've got, uh, Mrs. Uh, Peregrine school for unruly or home for unruly children or whatever. Um, yeah. and you've got like 97 versions of, of whatever you want to call it in, in that one, which is amazing. Um, and then <laughs> your persona five game review. So I set those up to come up like the next, uh, um, I believe 
Sully's up now as of this past Thursday. Uh, Miss Pumpernickel's School for Untitled uh, <laughs> Cinematography is coming up on the eighth, and then I believe Persona Five is scheduled for the fifteenth. So we've got those coming. Right. So if you got if you get some more, um, or if you're able to find some of the ones that you lost, let me know and I'll get those up. Yes. Um. So so that's there. Um. But the the one thing I did want to talk about uh, before we got too far into it was um, and we haven't really you know we we can't stray too far from from video games uh, even if I don't really play them that much um but uh what is up with this the new nintendo labo labo whatever the hell it is so <laughs> why don't you give us a rundown on what that is yes so i did get a chance to see the royal rumble before i forget okay so yeah we Fantastic. We, can, we can close on that um so nintendo labo basically is <sighs> one of the reasons I absolutely love Nintendo. Now, I am someone who did not grow up with Nintendo. I grew up with a Sega Genesis. I grew up, um, you know, pulling joysticks on an Atari, too. Um, So I am, you know, my very first Nintendo system was a Game Boy. It was cool. I liked Pokemon and didn't, you know, young and didn't like a lot of other games. So um, it shows this insane creativity that they have and their willingness to take risks. Nintendo Labo is basically a $50 program with $30 in cardboard accessories that basically teach kids how to make simple machines and construct simple mechanical doodads, basically, um, that they allow that allows them to use with their Switch and yeah, I don't know, controlled basically uh, whatever is happening on the Switch, um, nice. which is absolutely bananas. Um, granted, it's very expensive cardboard, mm-hmm. but it, it it's absolutely like so creative. And it's one of those things. Very rarely do I come, you know, I'm, I'm getting older now. I'm you know, uh, almost two years from 30, um, which is scary to say out loud, um, because I'm still a giant child. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, yeah, so I finally saw something that wasn't manufactured for me. Um, and, you know, because at first I saw it and I was like, I'm not going to buy this. And then, you know, after I listened to a couple of podcasts and stuff, I started to realize I was like, this isn't for me. This isn't I don't have a need in my life to learn simple machines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a need in my life for this um, because I entertain my imagination in other ways. And my child likes Sensor Wonder, which I'm absolutely known for in my naivety. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I am VP of Cutco. So, or was it vector vector marketing? Um, so, which is a joke. Um, uh, for those of you, I don't sell knives. Uh, uh, so you're you're not the guy that I I see at the middle of the night on like a channel like eleven hundred eighty four that has the entire knife set out in the kitchen that uh, yeah now cuts through a uh, cuts through an aluminum can and then just puts that into a chicken breast like there's not going to be any metal on the knife that he's now putting into his food. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, I am not that gentleman, unfortunately. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. So it's they've it's they've had mostly positive reviews um, to it. I'm excited about seeing it. Um, I'm not excited about finding it at yard sales, but 
Yeah, I, I don't what? imagine that cardboard holding up very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they're just taking they're taking they're taking risks, and that's the kind of thing that I'm absolutely I love to see. Um, is because without with risks, granted, sometimes you can fail, but you can also create really beautiful and special things. And just even thinking about that, about those moments with those with their. Um, and it's so genius that they've kept everything simple so parents don't have to feel necessarily bogged down. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because you can explain, like, you know, yeah, like a parent will be able to, like, oh, well, this is a lever. This is how this works. You know, they'll be able to, like, do that kind of thing with their kids and teach that moment and help their kids with that. And it, like, creates really cool bonding moments. And, like... Just that idea of those like kind of beautiful moments where a parent can still help their child learn something new is absolutely magical in allowing kids this vast playground of I made this and I'm using it kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's the video game equivalent of Legos. Nice. You know, it's that's at least that's what it seems like to me. Um and you know, I think there's going to be something really special there. And I think with the Switch and the portability of the Switch and the ease of use of the Switch, I think it's going to do gangbusters and I think it's going to be big hit for them. And I think it's going to keep rewarding Nintendo's willingness to take risks. Um, because we don't take, we, we are, you know, we're not taking enough risks over here in the West. Well, and, and I mean, that's kind of that goes right to the heart of it where. It's that if anything, that's something that Nintendo is known for is making those risks where it's not something like Sony and like Microsoft, where the majority of the lineage of both systems have been pretty safe bets, um, where it's something where right now the majority of those systems are, um, you know, pretty standard. But you have Nintendo making a lot of big bets. You have, you know, they swung for the fences with virtual boy um and you see where that went uh but then just over the history i mean they're they're a company where they are more uh likely to to make big bets um as opposed to a company that is just playing it safe and obviously still puts out good product um and still delivers on that stuff but it's something where like it's it's not like it's more of a, a next rev or kind of what i refer to as a programming exercise where it's you know it's the next iteration more of the same but nothing that's truly revolutionary Yep. Yep. And, you know, it's one of those things is that we've become complacent. Um, what I feel is overall as consumers, we've become complacent. And as creators or manufacturers, we've also become complacent. Um, you know, it, we really just need some innovators. And I think it's only going to get worse as we continue to uh, devalue education and creativity as a whole, as a, as a country. Um yeah, I don't mean to get so, you know, political, you know, uh, there, but well, no, I, I know, agree. There's... Absolutely. Where like, I think right now it's, and it's not even, that's not even a political statement. I mean, that's, that's been an evolution of, I mean, a generational statement, but then also just kind of where we are, where like to be smart and to be intelligent is seen as uncool. Um, and so, I mean, yeah. even in, um, there was, I, I don't know how kind of current you are on um daily show episodes and everything like that um but there was a guest that trevor had on last week um who that exact conversation was held where uh it was an african-american author um and he was saying that like um it's a different type of like readership in um 
african-american communities because kids don't want to be seen with books they don't want to be thought of as smart Mm -hmm. um and so it's a very it's a very (laughs) difficult uh point of view like to have a a low uh or a much lower than expected uh turnout from um the african-american community for certain books because of that stigma right there I'm sorry. I'm laughing because it reminds me of a quote of so one of the best pieces of satire we have had in um in the last twenty years has been the Boondocks. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's fantastic. There's an episode uh, in season two <laughs> or season two with BET and. Uh, the head of ET is like, I saw, I saw a kid in the park with a book yesterday, and he was reading, and he was smiling. <laughs> it's, really, it's really funny. Um, so that's what made that think, uh, made me think of that. But there is a lot of that, and you know, we should be encouraging growth and creativity. Um, you know. Um, those are the kind of things we should always be encouraging and we should always be valuing intelligence because, you know, I'm tired. I, I, I selfishly, I'm tired of dealing with people who can't think critically. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not some, you know, I'm not fucking Einstein, you know, I'm closer to uh, Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, like, just you know, you you question things like we don't we, we never teach kids when it's appropriate to question, um, y- you know, and and it's it's that's a big thing. Like think to question to to wonder. Well, to I mean, to, to think critically, and then also to to like to have the the sense of wonderment is gone now when you have everything right at your fingertips. Um, and yeah. so I mean, there was yeah. that was, I I shared um one of the other recent. Uh, Daily Show guest where he had on um, Anthony Bourdain, and that was something where uh, I mean he said like basically the the travel is the kind of the uh, antidote for closed mindedness mm-hmm. and, and bigotry, um, and so I, I very much agree with that. And kind of if, when you have that sense of wonderment, when you have that that uh, the need for experience, um, I mean it's something where you tend to, to want to, to keep going. It tends to be addictive. Um, and similarly, I had another conversation with, with, uh, with a friend, um, who had put kind of a, a pseudo poll out on, on Facebook that was required like long form answers. So I, I, uh, did a kind of a, a brain dump, uh, to her and it was more than probably she expected. But, uh, I mean, very similar to that where, um, the more you travel, the more open-mindedness you gain, the more open-mindedness you have, the more you mm-hmm. want to kind of keep going and, and experience and everything. And so that's very much the, the perspective that, that I take from that where it's something that, um, it's it's unfortunately lost but then it's also like a condition of environment where uh it it definitely is a a self-fulfilling prophecy now there are definitely outliers in in both categories um and i've seen folks that have have kind of not the haven't done as much travel and are are very much um still have the the sense of wonderment attached and everything but i think it definitely goes um there's there's some correlation there um but at the same time it's something where that's that's the unfortunate thing that i see right now is there's um in very much a day-to-day life as far as, you know, being seen as the smart one um, in any way, shape, or mm-hmm. form is, is often a, a derogatory or, con- or you know, there's a, a negative connotation to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, ugh. it's, we sh- you know, we shouldn't be, uh, 
you know, we as a, as a country shouldn't be stuck in that, in that mindset. Um, because, because the idea, the, the part of the reason that I think we're stuck in that mindset is because we have, there's too much comfort in conformity. Absolutely. 110% there's, agree with that one. And when we see that someone is thinking differently, it scares us because they're not conforming to what our ideas of behavior should be. Um, you know, and you see that, uh, you see that a lot in the way that news is presented. Um, I do want to just say as a small diatribe here that I, I fucking love almost anything Anthony Bourdain puts out. Mm -hmm. Um, like especially a lot of the TV and stuff, it's actually absolutely phenomenal and really interesting TV, which is incredibly you know weird for the type of television that he puts out. Um, you know, you, you think you got some schmuck on the Travel Channel, and it's actually really fucking good. <laughs> um, well, and that's one of the things for me where it ends up being that um, I I'm always like, yeah, like I need to check that out, or like that seems. Um, like it just, I don't give it enough credence and then I'm exposed to it and I'm like, holy shit, why was I putting this off for so long? This is amazing. Yeah. Or like I hear about a podcast or something. Um, and yeah. so I very much the same way where there's, there's not much there that isn't like just a, a home run from something so simple yeah. as just a travel show to, you know, cooking or anything like that. Like it's just, it's insane. Yeah. He, he's, 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 he's a really talented writer and that actually shows in, some of the because I believe he helps prepare some of basically like the narrative stuff that he does, um, which is probably part of the reason they even let him do that stuff, in the, do that stuff in the first. Oh, yeah, place. I'd imagine. And there's like bits and pieces in there. And I'm like, man, I'm like, you'd be watching it and you'd be like, you're like, wow, this is really good. Um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> read books, kids. Um, think don't be afraid to question stuff. Um you know, I mean, it's, it's it's that type of mentality is more important now than ever. Um, you know, um, <laughs> especially in this day and age when there's so much that's yeah. basically uh, just getting thrown down the drain yeah. Um, yeah. for anything and kind of everything's taken at face value and there's nothing um, that is uh, thought of or just kind of like uh, – everything's just taken as kind of point right face value yeah. as opposed to any sort of critical thinking from there. So that's, yeah, not, not necessarily, yeah. Yeah. uh, any, uh, anything too inspiring there. Um, yeah, but, uh, kind of started high with the Super Bowl. I didn't expect the, the Labo discussion to take us there, but it, but it did. Um, <laughs> so why don't, why don't we close it out with some positives for, uh, what you thought of the, uh, the Royal Rumble? So I have a I have a buddy. Um, every once in a while, I'll be like, "Dude, come over. We'll watch wrestling." Maybe sees like, you know, we've been friends for a few years. Maybe sees like, uh, maybe three hours of wrestling a year, mm -hmm. <laughs> if that, if that. Um, and every time he comes over to watch something, he gets treated to something fantastic. Um, the first time he came over, he got treated to the, uh, Finn, Finn Balor debut. Okay. Yeah. That, that's pretty, uh, pretty iconic or, or landmarkish. And because I believe that same night was that same night. He also wrestled Seth Rollins for the championship. Is that right? 
I can't. I can't remember. I, I think that may have been. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, he got. He I got wasn't to see quite that. back full on the the gravy train at that point. He got to see that fantastic match, and um, you know, because I think they gave it away in a raw. Um, because next, I think that's right. I could be wrong. Um, but he got to, he got to see that he got to see that 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 match and um. Or it might have been like the official debut of the demon or whatever, mm-hmm. but it, he he got to see. Needless to say, he got to see that Seth Rollins Finn Balor match, um, and then this last time he got to see one of the best Royal Rumbles in the last this this, this millennia. Well, not this millennia, but definitely this decade. Um, he got to see one of the best Royal Rumbles ever. You know, this is that this last home run was probably top five. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty good home run. I, I watched a couple, um, not necessarily full length rumbles on the network, but like highlights of, of some mm-hmm. of the ones in the past years. Um, and then just calling back to some of the ones that I've seen. And like, I still have most of the the Shawn Michaels win, like ingrained in my mind and like his the toe tap mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I loved the this year's Rumble, and then I I thought they did a pretty yeah. pretty bang up job with the the women's Rumble too. Um, yep. The there weren't too many ridiculous spots. I would say um, I was pleasantly surprised with um, the low level of ridiculousness that the women's Rumble had. I expected there to be more, just based off of them trying to put yep. up a, a decent product um, and and getting the the thirty women in there. Um, and I, I was, I, I mean, for my book, like if I was, if I was ranking it, it was, there were more, you know, um, men's gimmicks, uh, than, than, or I should say more cheapening gimmicks in the men's rumble than in the women's rumble, um, mm-hmm. where you had, uh, um, you know, the hurricane came in, who was a, a no op, uh, you had, uh, Ty Dillinger got beat up in the back, right? So that was Sammy took over for that um and then who was who was the one um who was the one that basically never made it into the ring and they were just beating him up on the way the entire time uh oh he's later Slater, yeah so they yeah. basically just beating him up and then whoever came in helped him in got eliminated blah 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 so there were like like maybe four guys there so you really only had about 26 guys in the the men's rumble that actually did anything um and i really felt like the only gimmick in the women's rumble was vicky guerrero um but yes. i i don't I, I haven't seen anything one way or another so i don't know um if that was a last minute call based on Alicia Fox not or getting injured and not being able to wrestle because she broke her coccyx, which it sounds very painful, um, and from a career playing hockey and falling down multiple times without a tailbone protector, I, I know how just a bruised one feels. So breaking it must be horrible. Um, so I, I don't know who was the last minute uh, adjustment to get up to thirty there, but that seemed like one. Um, but e- even if not, like it was fine. It just wasn't like somebody you expected to do much in an actual rumble match. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, I thought, you know, what uh, Finn did in the match was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Shinsuke uh, played it very well. Um, they're uh, trying to think some of the other ones. Um, I was, I, I liked what Rusev did. I, I wish that he would have went a little bit longer, but um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the the Rusev gravy train in, in this house is uh, is picking up steam um and we'll we'll soon be celebrating Rusev day um <laughs> and uh trying to think what else what else was there I I, I like the Miz coming in for a little bit of it um 
based off of uh, his ex- re-exposure on Total Divas. Um, uh, I'm I'm definitely all in on on the Miz now too. Like it's he he's kind of uninteresting as a wrestler. Like he he's basically. Um, Johnny Cage. I mean, that's kind of exactly what, yeah. what he's like. His character, like he's like he's stolen the Johnny Cage persona, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, but it's like it's not going to be Hulk Hogan or you know The Rock or anything. Um, yeah. But like his his mic skills and everything else out of there is amazing. And just watching him put up with uh, the ridiculousness of Maurice, who like even uh, out of all the divas, like I still love Maurice. But just the fact like they're married and you can tell it's like I have to put up with this shit because I'm a husband and wife thing um, is it, hilarious. Um, <laughs> and it's given me a lot more appreciation there um, for for like his his in ring persona and, and the work that he puts in and stuff like that. So so I'm a big fan there. Um, where similarly, I've become a much bigger fan of Rusev um, because he's somebody that has to deal with the insanity that is Lana at home, um, and so he's <laughs> the one that's keeping all of that in check. So I I'm a much bigger fan of Rusev to understand what's going on there. And I don't know if, if you watch Total Divas or not, but um, the last couple of episodes have been amazing with some of the shit that Rusev pulls and so he's just this ridiculous you know uh uh kind of um calling your bluff guy outside of it and he's like standing like he, he mowed his lawn in his underwear which for him isn't really that big of a deal because it's just like ring trunks um but he's out there in you know in sneakers and uh pushing the lawnmower carrying pushing the, the push lawnmower smoking a cigar and ha- carrying a beer at the same time um and then like they're having a friend over to cook out and he's standing at the grill naked just to kind of, uh, to call Lana's bluff on something. Um, so it's just, it's hilarious. And there's the backstory that they show on divas gives me much more appreciation for a lot of the, the guys that I would normally kind of just, uh, write off a lot quicker. So, so that's mm-hmm. a, a lot of, a lot of that kind of came to fruition in the rumble and kind of seeing those storylines there. Um, I, I was kind of happy with how I ended it. Um, that was, that was, decent um i'd listened to said talks uh preview of it um the friday night when i was still running around beforehand um and they kind of uh earmarked shinsuke as as one of them they they obviously said like finn would get a big push uh which he did and did well um but it, they they kind of picked shinsuke to to win it and so i wasn't surprised when that happened um and then obviously like i i didn't see any booking or I didn't look at any Vegas numbers, but um, I would be hard pressed to find anybody who legitimately thought Asuka wasn't going to win. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys had talked about that or if your, your friend coming over um, was aware of Asuka at all. Um, but I mean, that felt like it was something where it was just like, <laughs> that's something where that's just like the foregone conclusion where it's just like, it's legitimately 29 other people putting on a show till eventually just like stepping down for Asuka. Um, the one thing I didn't like in the women's match was I, I wish Nikki didn't eliminate Brie. Um, so I, well, I, I, yeah. I I think that would have been cool, whereas you could have had them do more. And obviously they had to do something, but I think it would have been cool like if Asuka eliminated both of them at the same time somehow. Um, but I can also see them not really being able to work that in with, with how out-of-ring experience both of them yeah. have been. But. So the... I enjoyed the women's rumble. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised um, because I honestly had a lot of makings of for a train wreck. Um, and it didn't turn out to be one, which is nice. Well, that's what I, My, I was hoping it wasn't. And I like based on what yeah. they were leading up to it, I was expecting it to be. And I was very pleasantly surprised. And I mean, that that's probably like a 
an A close to A plus matchup for me because there or yeah. match for me because there wasn't much better that could have been done there. Yeah. Um, my biggest issue with the women's rumble was the fact that Nikki and Brie made it to the final four. Um, because it basically told you the final four were Nikki, Brie, Sasha, Asuka. Mm-hmm. And you, you, at that point, you knew Asuka was going over. Definitely. Um, and it was actually funny because I uh, showed my buddy the Rumble game, which is one of the things you do is I told him, I'm like, all right, you're going to get assigned some numbers. And those are the only people you get to cheer for. OK. And he gets he got Asuka. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was one of the, the bummers that, that I had last week with some of the personal stuff we had going on where we didn't get a chance to, to record and publish that because that was definitely something I, I would have wanted to. Um, to, to jump in on and and uh, participate here because I, I know both Amanda and I were, were cheering for different people at different times um, in, <laughs> in, in both matches, so that would have been interesting. So there's always next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but my biggest issue that my biggest issue with that entire pay-per-view was the fact that Nikki and Brie Bella made it to the Final Four of their respective Rumble, and they just shouldn't have. Um, there's no reason why... There's no reason why they should have. They're both, you know, realistically kind of out of shape. Um, it does nothing for either of them. Like, you know, you don't want to see them have that women's championship belt. Um, you know, either either of them. And, you know, it, it just didn't do anything... It just didn't do anything for the. You could have elevated some other talent there. Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with that. I definitely, uh, again, based on my uh, the the viewing of uh, of Total Divas, I, I have more of an appreciation for them. Um, I have more of an appreciation for Brie over Nikki. Um, but I, I can I can see that as far as them um, wanting to push both of them uh, into the limelight where they're trying to get them a little bit over because Brie, the, the storyline leading up to um, so far, the, this season of, of divas was Brie wanting to make a comeback after becoming a mother. Um, and then, you know, Nikki still doing all this other stuff, but then still not knowing what she wants to do wrestling wise and health wise and all that stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I can see that and it's obviously whether or not they, they play those storylines into it is fine. Um, but I mean, as long as they, they put in the work and, and kind of do that, in the end, as many of the announcers said all night, um, no one really remembers who comes in second, third, fourth, fifth in the Rumble. It, it, everybody only remembers who wins it. Um, so, I mean, in, in the end, I don't really think it's going to be that big of a deal um, because there there were a lot of women who did put in pretty solid work, especially from NXT. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Ember Moon mm-hmm. having watched the takeover from the night before. Uh, I'm not a fan of Shayna Baszler's style. Um, but she did basically beat the crap out of Ember Moon, um, and for Ember Moon to come back and uh, uh, come into that match and, and put in the work that she did was was pretty impressive. Um, and there are a couple other people that I wouldn't have expected to last as long or to, to kind of put in the effort. So um, I, I think just with them being on that stage, it was good. Um, but there was also a lot of paying homage and and giving you know respect to some of the people that earned it for some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't have, you know, I was, there were a lot of performances that I really did like, um, uh, uh, a few people that I've talked to about it, 
uh, were really impressed with Kiri. Kiri Zane. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, she. I mean, she's another one. She was in the the May Young Classic, and so we watched some of that. Um, her just whole super pirate outfit, especially now with in the context of magic, with the current set being pirates, just is way too contextual and like uh, inception like and everything. So um, it's just it's weird for me to, to watch her and come out with the pirate hat and and the feathers and all of that stuff. Uh, so that that's weird. Um, but I mean, I, I was happy to see a lot of the um, the former divas slash women's contenders come back um lita still had some good spots she had some rough spots um i I was happy to see uh happy to see tori wilson come back um uh trish stratus is one of my favorite uh, you know female wrestlers of of all time um and i mean i mean they they had a, a a number of decent spots from people that i did not give them credit for for being able to um and so i mean i i was pretty happy with with what they did so i didn't expect too many of the the older stars being you know attitude era early 2000s um to make it to the the final four so unless it was like an all new crew like i i can see them putting up some of the the to me it makes sense to have you know oscar eliminate the bellas because then it's more of a transition as opposed to Oscar eliminating other current roster stars, stuff like that. So, yeah, I can see that too. Like I can see the kind of old guard versus new guard, which they, they did a really good job of playing up in the rumble, the men's rumble. Mm. Um, like I can see that. I just, you know, for years. So I watched, I watched a lot during what we would probably call the dark ages. And the amount of Kelly Kelly roll-ups I saw. Oh, yeah. On the Bella Twins. Like, when Kelly Kelly came out for the match, I looked at my buddy and I go, and I, I, I tell him, I'm like, dude, I don't know what she's going to do in here. Her signature move's a roll-up. He's like, what's that? I go, a pinning a pinning maneuver. Exactly. And he's like, are they supposed to go over the top? Oh, like, uh-huh. Like, that, she won, like, six Divas championships with a fucking roll-up. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple other pieces. There was, like, somebody else who was, like, going to put, uh, like, submission moves on. And so there were a couple of people there where, like, I and I probably missed that period similarly where um, I, I legitimately have no fucking idea who Michelle McCool is. Like, I, I had to go read their Wikipedia page on Raw 25. Then I had to go reread it again watching the Rumble because I forgot who she was when I read it earlier in the week. Now, I mean, I, I know she has... She she did a lot of stuff on her own, but I mean, to me right now, the, the only notoriety she has in my mind because I didn't watch when she was popular is you know she's Undertaker's wife. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's she had a long run, but I had no idea who she was or even you know as part of the the championships or anything like that. So I mean, there were a lot of people there that I had no context for, which you have to imagine that you know they expected many yeah. people to. Um, but then there were yeah. some people where it's like, yeah, I have no idea what they're gonna do, and I maybe they'll stick around and just kind of pound on somebody in the corner that usually happens in a rumble. Um, but there yep. weren't many people that were going to be super exciting and kind of pushing people over. Yeah. Um, there was real bad. There was a point where women's wrestling was there. She was Michelle McCool was the highlight of the women's division for like four years in like the mid two thousands. Um, it was her and Layla um, well, excuse me, the Divas division. Yeah, at that time. 
um, where Mc- Michelle McCool was arguably the best wrestler that we had access to, who was constantly feuding. Then we so you had the Bella Twins, um, and their twin magic. Um, if I hear Michael Cole say that one more time, mm-hmm. I'm so glad. I've never been glad. I've never been happier to see a woman get best breast implants just so that would just stop <laughs> because they cannot pull that anymore because now they look like two entirely different, different people. people. So, you know, I mean, I just, the years of, Oh no, the Bellers are pulling twin magic again. Well, I mean, that's what they're doing now with the Usos where they, they can't figure out who the hell, which Uso is, which, and uh, I mean, that was the whole um, thing with leading up to, to the, Gable Benjamin fight with them where you know they pin the wrong people blah 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 um I thought that match was a little underwhelming I expected it to go at least you know three falls when three it goes falls, best yeah. two out of three you're gonna usually hit three um I read some <laughs> uh, some recaps where they think that it it got botched with uh Gable not being able to break the pin up fast enough but you know we'll, we'll see I haven't we again we're too busy this last week to, to catch up on Smackdown yes. so I don't know what ended up happening there um I honestly didn't give a shit about the bar versus Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan. I like Seth Rollins. They're doing such a good job at making Jason Jordan a heel. I just don't give a shit. So I don't watch him. Um, and so I'm, I'm perfectly fine seeing the bar have those belt back. Um, uh, but the, the other two matches, um, so I would say one was about a B and the other one was an F. So of the two matches that were remaining, do you remember the, the two other matches that were there? So you had the main event. So both both uh, big titles for each brand. Yep. Yep. So one I had as a, as about a B and one that was about an F. Um, I really want to say. I I can't imagine anyone giving AJ Styles an F. So yeah. So for me, I had the <laughs> uh, the AJ Kevin Sammy match, or as AJ now calls them, Cammy. Um, the AJ Cammy match as a B, it, it was good, but it, it wasn't amazing. Like I, I mean, the yeah. the AJ Brock match at Survivor Series was, uh, you know, an A plus type match. Um, so where it could have gone, it didn't, and I'm very happy with that. Um, but like it just it it in the context of the two rumbles and everything else that was going on the night, it was okay, but it was still a pretty good match. Um, I think they completely shit the bed with the triple threat match. Um, I have no idea why Kane was even involved in the match. Um, exactly. Uh, and so that was basically, um, on the, the said talks preview episode. That's exactly what they said. It's like, they don't even know why Kane's in the match and it's basically to take the pin. And I was like, I hope that's not it. Like I, I want resolution of something like this. They, they just can't keep dragging this out, dragging this out, dragging this out. <laughs> and like, yeah, you can put guys through tables, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's only so many, uh, announced tables that you can put guys through, which at least side note, I'm glad they now have like tablets that they can throw to the floor, as opposed to like the ridiculous <laughs> theatrics of pulling the TV monitors out of the table and all of that stuff, or like using yeah. them to hit people with now they just kind of like swipe and, and throw ipads on the floor um i'm just waiting for them like uh, some surfaces yeah like i'm just waiting for them one day to swipe it so hard like it goes into the stands and now somebody has like one of the ipads in the stands and they just run away with it um but it, it just felt so underwhelming and like it happened so fast based on 
like us getting home and, and running late and I had to run out and come back. So we started it late and I was watching it on the X or I started watching it on the TV. Uh, since we have the Samsung smart TV, we've got the app on the TV itself to watch it. Ooh, but then nice. it, it's weird. Like it's, it's a little buggy when we're watching stuff for a long time or certain apps don't really do handle like streaming long stuff. So it kind of like we got like, an hour and a half into it and then it started to stutter and then i had to switch over to the xbox which the xbox app handles it much much nicer um but i joined right when the the women's match was starting and i I rewound to the beginning of it and i figured that that was going to be after it but the the triple threat match was so fast that it happened like in between the delay we had from switching to the tv and like rewinding from the xbox so like i didn't even think it happened yet but then once it was like once ronda rousey came out and they're like okay thanks everybody see ya i was like what the fuck i missed it so then yeah. i had to like go rewatch it and rewind it i was like that was a complete waste of like half an hour of my time just to yeah. get back to this point so um they they have a local show here in chicago on i want to say april 3rd 3rd yeah i think april 3rd maybe march uh yeah, let's say March 3rd, looking at the calendar, because that's a Saturday. Um, and they're, they just started releasing some of the, the local ads for it, and that has a um, a Kane versus... I want to say, say a Kane versus Braun match, um, and then an appearance by Lesnar um and the free agent john cena um and so i mean similar to what to the smackdown we went to around christmas time that the original uh local promos changed for the matches so that may change by then um but they were it's a raw branded show uh this time and it's at the United Center um, as opposed to Rosemont, so it's a it's a bigger show, so they probably want to fill more seats and stuff. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but it, it's not a TV show; it's a, it's on a Saturday, um, so it, it's something where I, I expect the the those numbers to or the, those matches to to change, but uh, we'll see how yeah. that ends up. Yeah, that triple threat. So, man, we have just uh, man, we have just gone grande macho this this episode. Yeah, I mean, we we had two weeks. <laughs> two three weeks in the making so it was it was definitely going deep um yeah no i totally agree with you on the triple threat match um so i have issues i have fundamental issues with brock lesnar being champion 100 percent agree um because i don't think it's good for the brand and i don't think it's good for that title um i can understand wanting to add levity not levity um add gravity <laughs> Uh, adding um, that importance to that title. Uh, but my big issue is that that champion has to be seen by the public constantly. They don't have to wrestle, but they have to feel like they're proud to be champion. And I don't get that with Brock Lesnar. Yep, I don't either. Like it, it, yeah. it's He's there for the paycheck, and he could give yep. less than two shits about what happens. Um, I'm, I've... Obviously, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. Um, I don't care for Paul Heyman um, as a character. Um, I understand what he's done on the behind the scenes. I understand, you know, the lineage he has with ECW and everything, and as a promoter, that's perfectly fine. He he knows his shit. I just can't stand him on the mic. Um, and the fact that it's so easily a gimmick to be for him to be a mouthpiece for Lesnar, so that Lesnar has to do even less work and he doesn't have to do the mm-hmm. mic work, um, makes me dislike Lesnar even more. Um, yep. And so it's just something where it's just a complete like no op for me, where it's like eh, okay, I don't care. Like I yeah. I love Strowman. Just 
just because of the ridiculousness that he is, the monster that he is, where, you know, he's, what, 6'8", 400 pounds of just pure muscle, um, and <laughs> the ridiculousness that, that he can do with people, and he can pick up somebody like Lesnar and legitimately throw them across the floor or or do a running power yeah. slam and shit like that. But he's there week to week. He shows up. He does limited mic work, but it, it's more than, you know, what it's the character that he's playing now as opposed to the bullshit that, you know, Lesnar doesn't even speak. Um, and yeah. so it just, it's like, I, I agree with you. It's just total damaging to the brand and, and the belt. Yeah. And so the issue is, is that, so you have this triple threat match because they're basically putting off, um, you know, the the similarities and them basically handling Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar as champion remind me a lot of WCW handling Goldberg. Oh, absolutely. And the issue is, is that fans are clamoring for it clamoring for it um but you need braun Strowman to uh not get pinned but also not put the title on him until you can get the payoff the issue is is that how do you keep building this monster how what what think the long-term payoff you know what's going to stop Braun from, you know, it, the difference, I don't know if there's enough to Braun outside of just the idea that he plays to strength, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's so, I think they're afraid to sort of develop him more outside of that because, okay, Let's say the leading to WrestleMania, you know, Shinsuke, Shinsuke, AJ Styles is going to be a fucking barn burner. It's most likely going to be the best match on the card. Um, so, you know, you drop, you have Lesnar drop the belt to Strowman. And then, you know, we find ourselves in the same predicament that we find ourselves with Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, it, somebody's going to have to beat Strowman. And, you know, they haven't seen, granted, okay, I see, I've see i seen Kalisto kick him into a dumpster. Yeah. You know, but that's the only loss I can really think that he's taken. Yeah. And it, speaking of poor Kalisto, where is he? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he got the belt, um, lost it, and then is yeah. not to be seen. Braun Strowman probably put him in another dumpster. Um, yeah, so you know, there's there's uh, a lot of that where I feel like they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with handling Strowman and Lesnar. Um, Lesnar was definitely a special attraction kind of guy, and he is. It's going to sound silly, but he is above that title. You don't need to bring him down to that level of that title. He is the guy that comes back who literally goes, I don't give a crap about your title. I'm gonna beat up me I'm gonna beat up some John Cena. Yep, exactly. You know, because it doesn't the title doesn't matter for him. It matters for the guys. You put the title on the guys who like you know where it matters. You put it on you put it on guys like Finn Balor. You put it on guys like 
uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, you know, or like, probably more current, but like well, guys like um, that. Yeah. You, you put it on there that and are going to go out build and build it up. Yeah. They're going to go out and they're going to work and they're going to put on crazy matches. And, you know, when they put them up against these monsters where the monster wins the title, all of a sudden you got the face chase going, mm-hmm. which is a big thing that NWA used to do, you know, in the, in the, in the eighties and it pays off. It pays off. You let the face win at big events. I mean, imagine the first time, you know, and they kind of, and what baffles me is that they kind of did that with Brock Lesnar, with Eddie Guerrero at, at, uh, WrestleMania, something or another where, uh, was it? No, 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 no. It wasn't at WrestleMania. Eddie retained at WrestleMania. No, I think it was a match before then where Eddie Guerrero basically out wrestled Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And that's how he was able to, to, to win the title. And you kind of want to be building up that same kind of thing where you have these two monsters and monster pro tem and Kane. And, you know, they're not, they're not doing what they, they, they're not handling them. Right. So anytime there's matches, like I love the idea of Braun Strowman. I love this idea of these monster characters that are just going kind of crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. The issue is, is that when it's basically the same thing over and over again, and it's just this feats of strength get more and more ridiculous. Yep. I, like, I mean, there's yeah. there's not much more that he's going to do at WrestleMania when he's pulled like he's flipped like tractor trailers over. He's pulled sets yeah. down like yeah. I mean, unless he's going to collapse the stadium, like I mean, this is a point yeah. of ridiculousness which we're not coming back from. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know. I just don't think – I think it sucks is that, like, I, the dude's going to have to eat a pin, and they're going to have to com- invent a complete character for him. And that's kind of the issue is that they, they are obviously hinting that they're going to put the title on him, but he's not a character. Yeah, I mean, once it's – it's he's basically just the foil or, or just the the anti-heel chase to, to Lesnar right now. So, that, I mean, they need to develop mm-hmm. him more. And I, I just – I grew up with Kane. Like, I, I was fine with him being – Kane when I was you know in high school college maybe shortly after college but I mean I'm over him so I don't really even see Kane as that much of a a monster uh anymore he's just more of he's there and I I think also like his current uh ring attire lends to that some like the yeah the, the whatever he's wearing now just doesn't look right it looks like he should be in a ball pit in a McDonald's play place as opposed to in a <laughs> ring somewhere. Um, but it's just kind of, it's uninspiring. And for me, like, again, all of those yeah. things coming together, it's just like there's so much friction there that there's nobody knows what the fuck to do with anything because you have Lesnar not doing anything. You have, like, uh, Strowman kind of getting mishandled, and you have Kane just like, hi, guys, I'm here. Like, I'm big, too. And they're yeah. just like, so, it, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah. But yeah. we'll see where that goes. Hopefully there's, there's yeah. some closer, some progression of that because if it's something where it's just more of the same come mania, it's just bullshit, and I, I just don't really care about that. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, yeah. I have to pee. Um, <laughs> and we, we just hit about 90 minutes here, which I, I, is kind of on the long end for us. So that's good. Um, but it was, you know, a while since uh, since we were able to record. Um, trying to think. So this week, next week should be good. Following week, I'll be in Vegas. Depending on what's going on, I should be able to record there. Um, coming back the following weekend, not sure. And then I don't know about March. So uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But um, I mean, 
plenty of stuff to, to talk to, uh, plenty of guests we want to ha- have on too still. Um, yes. So we need to figure that out. There's, I've got like five different things that could potentially be my next thing for a media swap. So I need to figure out what we want to do there. Um, yep. And then, and then, uh, yep. And next week I am preparing for playthrough con uh, convention, uh, which is the 17th and 18th. Please listen carefully.